Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the Pausecast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Welcome everyone to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have my dear friend and author Aaron McHugh on the podcast. Hi, Aaron. Good to see you. Hi, Rachel. Happy to see you. I know we've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm so glad that we're together right now. And I want to share a little bit about Aaron for those of you who aren't familiar with Aaron's work. But Aaron released a book called Fire Your Boss. Discover work you love without quitting your job, which is a, is a dear uh, sentiment after my own heart. And I love this book. So Aaron, you are a writer, podcaster as well, adventurer, author, author, and career liberator who is learning to master a sustainable work-life balance while weaving the rhythms of play and enjoyment into your everyday routine, which, heck yeah, that sounds pretty good. You host the fast-growing podcast, Work Life Play. You lead Reboot Your Life Experiential Weekends, and you speak all over the place. You also work as an affiliate advisor to McKinsey and Company, helping to drive large culture transformations in North America, which is also after my own heart. So welcome, Erin. It's great to have you here. And are you up for guiding us in a Erin McHugh flavor pause today? Yes, please. I had very All few right, of them take today. It away. Yeah, let's do it. All right, friends. Um, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And I will invite you to close your eyes with me. And as you close your eyes, I will invite you to just begin to ease off of whatever you have been doing. Whatever you just left, whatever you just finished, whatever you just paused, whatever phone call you were on, whatever conversation, whatever email, you just hit send on. I just invite you to begin to ease off of that. And with your eyes closed, just invite you to begin to just notice your breath. Just notice if it's fast or slow, if it's labored or hurried. And just begin to count one on the inhale, two on the exhale, three on the inhale. And as you continue that, we're going to continue that up to 10. And just begin to notice and pay attention. And as you make your way to 10, once you get there, you can just start over. Maybe you begin to notice your shoulders ease off a bit. Maybe your fists, hands, whatever you were gripping, figuratively or literally, they ease and settle some. 
Maybe if you're sitting, you notice your sit bones relaxing into the chair. Feeling the support of the back of the chair on your back. And just stay with your breath. And in this quiet, paused place, I invite you to consider what is it that gives you strength? Who are the people in your life that add nutrients to you? What are the activities that you do in life that bring you life? As you reflect on those things and those people, just encourage you to offer gratitude both to yourself as to them for the gift that they are in your life, for the gratitude of being able to do those activities. As we start in the beginning, we'll begin to ease off of doing this and slowly come back together. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes back again. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. That was so good. I felt nutrients just being soaked up as I was with myself. <laughs> Very nice. That's fun. That's the first time I've ever done that on a podcast. Right on. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I was just thinking, I think I've been a guest on your podcast as well. So I feel so complete in uh, complete full circle now here with you. And especially after our long history of meeting on the World Domination Summit cruise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, about five or so years ago up in Portland on, uh, with Chris Gillibo's tribe there. Yeah. So it's so good to have you here. And I want to learn, I know, I, I know I've read your book and I've, uh, I've even shared my thoughts about it on, on your, on your endorsements with the blurbs. Uh, but tell me in your own words, you know, I know the book has been out for a little while now and it's, and it's evolved from what you originally wrote it for. So tell me a little bit about fire your boss and how that really fits into what, like being, being more self-aware and knowing what matters for yourself. I'm curious. Yeah. Thanks. What I've learned is, that happiness and contentment and engagement are really an inside job. And there's a lot of talk these days in the work world about engagement and employee engagement and satisfaction and healthy workplaces. And I think those are lovely dialogues to be happening. And what I've noticed in the last 15, 20 years in my work experience and life experience is that 
the missing part of the dialogue and the conversation was about us as individuals, as humans. And they were almost like fragmented. It was like the workplace was what's happening there and what are, what's leadership doing to improve it. And then separately are then dialogues about um, our own individual leadership journey. And what I found really fascinating was the missing part about learning to lead yourself. And there's a great um, quote from Peter Drucker. It was like written in the late 60s. And he said, basically, in ever-increasing measure, um, we will be faced with learning to lead ourselves, and we are drastically underprepared. So fast forward 30, 40, 50 years, um, he is very right. And so my work in the world is about helping people learn to lead themselves. And it actually has very little to do with a boss. And um, that metaphor about firing your boss was, it was not a catchy title, wasn't a marketing ploy. It was actually the description of the journey that I found myself on a decade before, trying to figure out how to be, feel freedom, freedom and not fear. Right, so literally freeing yourself from whatever the, the thoughts were about what's keeping you tied to whatever, maybe not necessarily leading yourself in a way that makes sense that's really fulfilling. Yeah. And I was just super stuck. Um, you know, I looked at what I was doing in my career, like the way I describe it is that if you looked at my career on LinkedIn, then it looked great. And I was ascending and accomplishing, but my, um, like using the metaphor of an iceberg, what was happening below the waterline in the hidden depths of my own life, um, and experience of that was, um, a lot of tension, a lot of frustration, um, a lot of disappointments, a lot of blaming, and a lot of um, trying to figure out how to arrange the circumstances of my life in a way that would yield outcomes that I was driving for and frustrated by my lack of ability to control and influence those. And so it was like things weren't working as I wanted to, even though above the waterline on LinkedIn, they looked like they were going great. And so it just forced me to say, hey, hold on, time out. I'm exhausted. I'm frustrated and I'm efforting much more than necessary. Maybe there's another way. And so what I began to do was to form different questions, like what would it look like to become the kind of person who could be at ease and relaxed and living in the creative versus spending all my time in the reactive? How might I become that kind of person? And it, that's awesome. And it sounds like you definitely went through some metamorphosis, right? Where you were stuck. And I totally relate to that. I'm sure many, many people may also relate. And now you're not stuck, right? So, so what changed? What was <laughs> yeah. different? Yeah. You know, I find it's always um, perplexing um, in these, uh, these short dialogues, podcast stuff is like, yes, I have an answer to your question. And um, one of the things I'm really conscious of is I really, in the book especially, I really advocate for going on a journey and not approaching it with tips and techniques. So I'd love to answer the question about how did I become unstuck in the spirit of, um, I don't think there's actually easy flip of the switch things 
that just magically correct stuck to, you know, unstuck. And um, there are some things that I learned along the way. And so the things that I learned along the way was in the beginning is I started realizing that what if I focused on my internals and really began to name what is it that I feel I'm experiencing here? Um, so for the instance, um, I found that one of the things that was driving me is I've always been driven for um, conquest and achievement. And that's a really great thing about me. And what I learned is that it also led to my exhaustion. So I would feel depleted, frustrated, like I could never get all of the work done. The list, no matter how much um, I checked off the list, I'd always have four more waiting for me. Um, whatever conquests that I achieved, you know, in a, worked in a commercial sales organization for a long time, managed revenue and made targets and uh, got to ring the opening debt bell, you know, trading at the London Stock Exchange. Like I got to do some cool stuff, but then it would always be like, well, then what's next? What's next? What's next? And so I started just wondering, like, what is it that drives that part of me? Why am I so insatiably driven for finish lines and summits, basically. And I started peeling back and doing some personal work. And the honest truth was like, for me, there was an age old story that was there from when I was a young kid, 10, 12 years old. And I was the, I'm the oldest of three. When my parents divorced, I was um, kind of the de facto uh, male adult, you know, not dad, but kind of surrogate, you know? So I activated into a role that I hadn't unenrolled from for like 35 years. And I realized that it was not serving me in what, in certain ways, because I was always defaulting to that role, which in the world, I had got a lot of rewards from activating that way and, and living and leading that way. But it just oftentimes was, um, it was like a strength taken too far that became a liability for me. And so learning to then um, build more of a repertoire of strengths that are more appropriate to the circumstance versus always just reaching for that same lever of, oh, I know what to do here. Just drive hard. That'll be the answer. So just learning that, oh, okay, there's another way. I don't always have to drive hard. I can actually lead in a way that has more curiosity versus uh, solutions and answers, for instance. I'm really resonating with what you're sharing about the tools that it's not just one quick fix and then knowing there is a different answer. I, and I'm also the oldest and I think I've, you know, I've got that, I've got that story. It's a ver it's different it's the Rachel flavor, but I feel like that's, Oh, that makes so much sense now why we connect so much on our, on our themes and, and books and, and what we're working towards because yeah, there are different ways to do it in the, in the world of pause. I realized I just wasn't aligned with my role at the time. And it sounds like for you, what, how you wanted to be wasn't aligned with what you were doing and those and, 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 and continuing to go hard. And there are other ways. And I think that's a really important point, right? Like there isn't just one flip of the switch. It's not like an on off for how to change. And, and everyone, I know, including myself, wants that magic silver bullet, right? Yes. If I only knew X or if this, if I could only just figure out how to not be so overwhelmed and just keep going in this way, then everything will be okay. And, and, uh, and I think the bottom line is that you and I both learned in our own respective manners is that it requires us to really look at ourselves in a new light, in a new lens, like personal development and 
what is it that really is going on underneath the surface? Because that's all of most of what I think translates to how we end up living our lives. And then being okay to make changes that are scary or vulnerable or completely un, like leading us into the unknown. And that's the part I think that does take a lot of courage. And like, that's the firing your boss metaphor to me is knowing that, Oh my God, I don't like, I don't want to, I don't want to leap off the ledge and just go into this unknown. But if I don't, then the cost is too high. And, and like, I see that so much in your, in what you're sharing right now. Thanks. I love your word alignment. And I often use like congruence is learning what it's also become really clear for me in the years is in part of our resonance again is five years ago, I went through a burnout and I found myself on the sidelines of life. I had a resting pulse of 92 beats per minute sitting in a chair. And as a runner, it's normally like 60. And so I knew there was fundamentally something wrong with me. Like I'm literally feeling like my pulse, you know, in my throat and, and I was taking a bunch of medications for depression and, and for sleep and, and anxiety. And I was like, this is not me. What, what, what is, what has happened? And in fairness, also my personal life, our family had um, experienced a lot of trauma um, with our kids and our kids' health and, and their lives. And so what I found was just like, man, I, I've, it's time. And what the way I've described it is um, like, just like your car needs a 50,000 mile tune-up. Um, I was in desperate need. I was probably 75,000 miles, <laughs> you know, 25,000 yeah. miles overdue. And so what I chose to do is to prioritize myself, which in history, that is not something I've done. I've prioritized task lists. I've prioritized other people's needs. I've prioritized uh, responsibilities but I had yet to actually prioritize myself and getting to the bottom of what is it that I need in order to thrive. And to me, that was a mystery. And the, actually the way I answered it was simple. Like, Oh, as long as I get, you know, this much sleep and I get a vacation every so often I make this much money. Well, then I'm fine. And it turns out that wasn't true. And I've now learned that what I actually need is much more um, ongoing tending to and care and that I've learned more of a sustainable way of living that backs that um, meditation of nutrients, like paying attention to what are the nutrients I'm taking in at a mind, body, spirit, soul level, so that I can, in using your word, to keep going. Totally. And, and uh, yeah, it, yeah for, I'm just going, yes, 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 as you're sharing, because it's all of what I have experienced and that thought of the what if, like what if I do spend this time on myself? And to me, that is the counterintuitive thought. And, and it seems so the last thing to do, especially if your list of to-dos is growing every day or you're just used to it. Like you don't know anything else. It's how you are. And I feel like, especially now <laughs> where that's a lot of our own training is as adults and professionals and people in the work world and whatever capacity. And, and now as you and I are experiencing it, we're right now in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and we're being, um, we're being on what I call a forced pause where we're being now in a new space of, wow, what does it mean to now have this 
shakeup of what I thought was whatever routine that I needed or anything. And, and uh, I think it is good to, to shake up and, and just in terms of, like you were saying, try different things and, and experiment. And even if every bone in your body or your mind is telling you it's, diff it's not okay, it's not what you know, pushing forward or, or moving forward in a way that is aligned, like you say, or resonating in that it, it matters so that you can go because you don't know what you don't know and your brain is only going to know what you know in your own experience and i think that's like what's so ringing true for me as you share yeah thanks and i agree with you on the pause of i think one of the beauties of right now in this moment in in time for us is and messages like yours and like mine are so timely is it really enables for us to return to more of what a values-based way of leading, working, and living. And what I find is very helpful is to get really clear as um, in, in a career, I think a lot of terms, dashboard lights like you would on a car, you know, and there's green, yellows, and reds. The green stuff's going great. The yellow's like the caution. The red is like something ain't right. And I think of a lot of that with people in the pace of life in which we've been living um, culturally is most of us probably at one level or another have been achieving merit badges of hurry, busyness, stress, overwhelmed, overscheduled, overprogrammed, anxious, depressed, um, and some other myriad of you know, others. And I view those as kind of like, remember like Cub Scouts and Girl Scouts back in the day? And you yeah. get this little so on. I was a Girl Scout. Yeah, I was a Cub Scout. So I had like little patches, right? In each little patch. And so I just started envisioning them like culturally, I think that's what we're doing. Like I, oh, look, I have my, um, my mm -hmm. uh, merit badge of hurry and busy. How about you? You got yours too? And I started realizing yeah, like busy, I don't like that word. I, I choose not to use it. People will say, oh, how are you doing? Are you so busy? And I say, you know, actually, um, what I prefer is to think of my life as I've invested my yes, and therefore my life is full by choice. Or if I'm actually yeah. um, burning it too hot, because to me that all of a sudden begins to reframe things to say, I choose not to participate in busy and hurry because those lead to my exhaustion. Those are depleting, not nutrients. Whereas I can choose to invest my yes fully in fewer things so that it's on purpose. And then that's the work I'm doing in the world may require a lot of my attention and effort, but I'm intentional about that. And to me, that's a very different, that's a merit badge of purpose. I'd much rather that's have a so merit cool. badge of purpose and meaning than busy and hurry. But that's a very intentional way of choosing and living and leading that I think most of us, me included, until the last handful of years, just was on um, a default autopilot because mm -hmm. culturally that's what everyone does. And, and I'm rewarded for questions. it. And I'm rewarded for it, exactly. It's almost, yeah, it's that, it's that recurring uh, self-reward of knowing I am busy and, and this is my merit badge, like that whole being proud of it. And, we're, and, and, and that's, that's what culture, I think, has really like that's where our culture historically has shaped us and, and we're rewarded for that. And, and I'm, and I couldn't agree more. 
uh, with that too. I, I called it, I made up a word for busy too. And I love what you said about, I'm not, I'm being fulfilled. This isn't being busy. I'm choosing, I'm choosing the opportunity to feel fulfilled. And I think that's one of the best responses you could give if someone asks you, Hey, Rachel or Aaron or whomever, you know, yeah, you, you seem so busy and it's almost of course correcting in the moment to just say, actually, I'm choosing to feel be fulfilled right now. And it might sound really awkward, but I, I, I've tried that and, and it's a good reminder. So thank you for saying that because yes, we are all busy hands down. Of course we're busy. There's so much we need to do right now. However, we're choosing, if you're choosing to feel fulfilled, that is different and it's another merit it's a different type of merit badge totally right well and it's one that will actually yeah, yeah once it's one that'll actually yield um re, it's renewable resources of energy and when going we're, back to your nutrients theme yeah exactly yeah and so i just think that for you and for i um it it won't be a question of if we change the world that we live in it will be which part of it do we shape and how effective will we be? And so to me, being in a burnout and taking a four month leave of absence and um, having a resting pulse of 92, I had to ask some hard questions like, how the hell did I get here and what have I done? And I found it really liberating because then I could begin to say, hold on, time out. What if I could be part of designing a life, work, adventure, relationships, connection, intimacy, that I could actually repeat every single day. And I wouldn't have to escape my life to go recharge and replenish. And that pause would become a way of living versus a, I'd have to go to a retreat. Oh, it's been six months or two years since I went to a retreat. I better get one of those on the calendar. Yeah, those are great. And just like you helped um, and you're apprenticing us in, we can also do that as a practice of living every day. Right, right. And, and, uh, and thank you for saying that. I think to just say that, because I think we do think it is a six month interval check-in or something a lot of times. And I, I want to ask you, so knowing you did have this burnout and you took off a, a longer time period, looking back, what would be different if you knew you could shift and maybe sustain yourself a little more or differently or, and have those nutrients. Like what would be, what would be different in your day? And, and I'm thinking anyone who might be feeling like they're heading down that road right now, may can maybe be able to take a couple pointers from you. Yeah. And me too. I'll, I'll take those pointers. <laughs> well, I think you're, um, you're an advanced level professional in this and, and I'm happy to play along. Um, I can describe to you the ways that I've learned to live as regular rhythms. And to me, rhythm really matters. And what I mean by that is like, what's my morning routine or habits? So for instance, um, I really um, believe firmly in uh, technology-free first 30 minutes to one hour of my day. So every single morning I wake up and I go straight to a cup of coffee. And even if I'm back in the day traveling, and then I go straight to meditation and prayer and journaling. And then usually I go straight to exercise. And after all that, then I will permit technology. Because, and I've heard this quoted from many people, the idea of if I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. And for me, my inbox is full of asks and requests. So I'm, my um, resilience, to investing my yes 
in specific places. Um, you know, started with even like carrying, I had a hand um, written note that I carried in my pocket for years that actually had the word no on it. So I was very, uh, I had a lack of practice in using the word no as a complete sentence. So when somebody would say, hey, can you get that to me by Friday? Um, I'd, I'd reach for my yes holster, you know, my, <laughs> and I played my yes card a lot. So I literally created a no card that I would carry with me to start with that. Well, that even starts like I couldn't, um, early on, I couldn't even intersect during burnout my inbox because I was so prone to say yes to things and overextend myself. So I had to learn to create a barrier between me foundationally centering myself first in the morning. And then from that sturdy place, then I can re-engage the world. And then I'm from that sturdy place of confidence, purpose, meaning, um, spiritual connectedness, then I can engage and start to live forward out of a purpose values based place. And so to me, that was, um, it's been a, a lifetime of practice in that, but I've found that there's a massive difference. The days I try to cheat that and just go straight to the inbox or whatever, you know, 7am meeting. Um, I find most of the rest of my day to be impacted, not favorably. So I've learned from doing it um, uh, and experimenting that that's a non-negotiable for me. That if I want to live purposefully, then I'm going to choose to invest fully in grounding my day and things that matter most to me. And then from that sturdy place, then I'll live forward from that. So I think for me, that's just foundational. Um, anywhere I am on the planet, whatever time zone and um, even including weekends, that's how I choose to roll. Mm. Great, great insights and, and guidance. I think I love that hour or just a set time in the morning, not to be tethered to any devices. And uh, it sounds like that's a pretty strong regimen for you. And I love the note, man. That's awesome. Yeah. No, no card, no card coming out. <laughs> and I would so, just try to so, for it and like cut my hand around it, even if I didn't pull it out and reveal it that I needed like a, yeah, grade schooler, you know, uh, permission slip, but that's the help I needed was remind myself it's okay to say no. And actually, um, it allows my yeses to be more meaningful because there's fewer of them. And when I give you a yes, I can fully, you can rely upon me. Whereas I found over time, my yes was less reliable mm -hmm. because I had distributed so many of them. Yeah, they're like diluted. They're not as potent, right? When you kind of say yes, not really meaning it, and then you don't end up putting your effort in or thinking it, and you're just begrudgingly doing things. Yes. So I totally relate, and I'm sure many of us do relate as well when we're listening to that. I had another question. I know one of the one of my favorite parts of Fire Your Boss. There's many favorite parts, but but one of them is around this concept of emotional currency, and using that. So can you share a little bit about what does that mean? And, and now knowing you work in the work world, because I think a lot of us are in the corporate sector and, and, and have our jobs day to day and businesses. So can you share what emotional currency is and, and how can I, like, what, how could I tie that to my job or use that in ways that might help me feel just more gratitude or joy and that things that we're trying to all go for? Yeah, that's great. And I love that you start with the upside because the upside is more joy, more contentment, um, more connection, more intimacy, more purpose. And in starting at that place, um, in my low of my burnout, basically 
what I was describing to a friend was, uh, he said, it sounds like you have like a mo uh, adrenal fatigue. And I told him, I said, no, it's worse. Like my, my bone marrow, like the cells in my, like the nutrients of my life have dried up. And it was like, whoa, what did I just say? And I remember I came home and I was like, and I think I told him at the time, I was like, it's like my emotional calories are depleted. And he kind of looked at me with these big wide eyes, like, whoa, that sounds bad. Like that kind of bad. So um, having spent my life as a athlete, I've always paid attention to like on races, I've done Ironman triathlon, those kinds of things, like the back of a package, when you look at the nutrient value, you know, how much, how many calories per package. Um, I wasn't doing it for weight loss. I was doing it for consumption to power an endeavor. So for some reason, something clicked with for me that day of like, man, I'm depleted. I'm at such a bad state. The only way I'm going to be able to replenish is if I pay attention to where do my nutrients come from in my life and how do I begin to break those down like at a mind, body, spirit um, level. And so I just started like scratching out this idea of like, what if I plotted calories to nutrients? So like an avocado is of higher nutrient quality value. Well, that would be like when I have this really couple good friends and I was with a couple of them in the desert the last few days. Those guys are like being with eating an avocado versus like laying on the couch. Um, I watched uh, Jack Ryan, uh, the Netflix, right. uh, whatever. Yeah. And that's like a Snickers bar. Like it's good, but it's not the same <laughs> nutrient quality, you know, value. But I just started saying like, what are the things, the question I started with, what brings me life and what zaps my energy? And just simply like, here are the things that bring me life and here are the things that zap my energy. And what I find is that like me, most people know what zaps their energy generically. Like, oh, I had a hard day. Or yeah, well, my wife and I get in an argument that zaps my energy. Or, but when you go to the pivot and say, well, what brings you life? What fills your tank? Usually it's when I go to, on vacation, um, Saturday morning, you know, when the kids are taken care of and the husband takes them out on a field trip or, but what I found was that actually they're super infrequent that the nutrient side, but our depletion, the things that zap our energy and take it away are frequent. And so I started mapping those and paying attention to, and what the big aha was, wow, I live most of my life in a depleted state waiting for the next, um, Thanksgiving size meal, like a retreat every six months to replenish me. And I found I was, it was laughable. If, if I translated the way of living to my life as an athlete, I would have never finished any of my endeavors, but I was pretending in my professional life and family life, I could keep going with a really uh, terrible life strategy. Man. I'm taking that in for a second. <laughs> I know it's a big yeah, one. I mean, what you're sharing is such a big concept and knowing there's so much more that could be depleting versus that one-off nourishment and this analogy around calories and currency to emotions, I think is so big because first of all, emotions are intangible, right? There's no metric or quantity. I mean, you could count tears shed or something, but nothing, you know, there's <laughs> be tears of joy or maybe they're tears mm. of sadness. We don't know. So, really thinking about things in that quantifiable way, because 
it is emotional currency, all of what you're talking about. And the cost is, is, is our, is our own suffering and, and going through that begrudgingly or, or feeling depleted and health, health, health consequences like potential adrenal glands and being worse, adrenal failure. So to me, it's just bringing home that whole, the whole concept of taking that holistic view of what's, what's depleting me, what's nutri nutrients for me, and then mapping that out. And then if you are in the deficit, being really active to say, well, what could I add and what brings me that joy? That's so cool, Aaron. Yeah. And I think that's just like a profound way to think about things. And no, when we don't think about that, that's why burnout is one of the top World Health Organization concerns right now. And big and why we think there's no way out there is a way out it tries we need to be conscious about it like you you shifted and change shift things and and then things can be different uh but this whole concept of the nourishment to me is is what i relate to and you're just saying nutrients to me it's the same thing but we need to be present for it so we need to be out of the to-do list or the, the thinking brain of like what's tomorrow or what's yesterday or three things I got to do and then being open to receiving it and creating it for ourselves. And that's just so huge. Mm. So I think you, t you summed it up so well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to um, just even close out with a um, invitation to your listeners and your friends listening. Please. Yes. Yeah. So friends listening, um, I believe you are made for more and you are here to make a lasting impact and dent on this world, on your community, on your relationships, on the work that you do every day, the people that you love, and the way in which you can maximize that impact and that value contribution is by doing it from a whole heart and doing it fully charged and ready to go. And none of that is easy, but you are worth it. You are worth prioritizing. You are worth valuing. You are worth investing in. You're worth pausing for so that you can actually experience more joy, intimacy, connection, meaning, purpose, value. And it's all possible. And none of it's simple. And none of it's just a flip of the switch, but it's a journey that is worth prioritizing and many of you, I'm sure, are already on it, and there'll be lots of setbacks along the way, but it doesn't change the foundational truth is it's worth it, and so are you. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Absolutely. Beautiful sentiment to end on. And where can people find more out about you in your book? Yeah, so all things AaronMcHugh.com. And one of the things I'll do, too, is I have a great resource I'll make available to you that is... Uh, a chapter from the book that's a full like um, illustrated guide on this concept of how to keep going and learning to pace yourself like we just talked about. And then my book's available anywhere you find books, Fire Your Boss, Discovering Work You Love Without Quitting Your Job, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those good places. Later this summer will be out in audio as well. So super fun and it's just been a joy to see real people's lives impacted and changed. Yes. And Aaron, you are worth it too. Thank you so much for all of what you've shared with us today. Take care. 
Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the Pause cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be The Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash Be The Pause. It's also in the Pause cast notes for this episode. Also, if you are struggling with overwhelm or being stressed out at work and you're not really sure what to do next, I invite you to download the free guidebook for the three keys to turn overwhelm into thriving at work. This is on my website, rachelomero.com, and you can download it there today. See you soon.